everybody. Welcome back to Simply Amazing. I'm Tim Ryder. Back with me is Jacob Resnick. And folks, we made it. Opening day is, well, you'll be listening to this. It's either today or later today, whatever, whenever you get to us. But uh, yeah, here we go, Jacob. Um, can you contain your excitement, pal? Uh, I, I, I would say I can. <laughs> I think we've talked about it. I think we've talked about it over the past however many months that the cautious optimism hasn't hasn't left me um but it's uh it's gonna be nice to to see uh see the Mets playing another team at City Field and it, it counts for the standings but um you know I, I said I wouldn't believe the season's happening until until uh until I see Jacob DeGrom on the mound pitching to another team but um you know I'm starting to think I, I, I won't I won't believe that a season will, will complete itself until until we actually get there. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm excited. I'm happy. Uh, I'm I'm worried at the same time. I'm, I'm I, I feel for for the players who are really putting their their lives on the line for um, for our entertainment. So um, just just a crazy time uh, and, and glad we have. Uh, I guess glad we have lineups to argue about and, and that kind of thing compared to, to what we've been dealing with uh, over the last few months. Um, you know, baseball's simple, so uh, it, it'll be nice to have that back. <laughs> it should be simple, but uh, things can never be simple, at least not in flushing. I mean, you know, it, it, it's certainly exciting um, watching the Yankees and the Nationals now as we're recording, and uh, and this is cool, like, you know, this is just it. It's it's that little bit of normalcy we've been waiting for, and uh, Friday should be um, very exciting. And you know the Mets have a few hurdles in their way right now, and I guess over the past few days the landscape has sort of changed. Um, I guess not even sort of; it's dramatically changed. Uh, even going down, you know, we could talk about the rotation, which we'll get into, but um, just a lot of shaking and moving, and it it kind of feels like this season is going to be a lot of that with the health issues uh, or or I should say with the virus um, scares or, or or positive tests as we saw from Juan Soto or the nationals uh, on Thursday, just a few hours before their opener. Um, I think, you know, it's going to be a lot of unexpected. Oh, this guy's out and Oh, you know, time to, to go to the well and see if we can, you know, play this next man up game. And uh, I know the Mets have been making moves and, Steven Gonsalves designated for assignment. Now, uh, you know, at, at a time when they kind of need the pitching death, that was a little sub- uh, surprising. But you know, um, yeah, let, let's let's we'll, we'll take it right from the pitching staff, Jacob. What are the Mets going to do uh, without these very important cogs like the Marcus Stroman's and, and such? Yeah, I mean, already being down uh, one uh, Noah Syndergaard, uh, that's huge first of all. Um, and you know, that elevated Marcus Stroman's importance, um, to the team, uh, this season and, and him going down, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that they, you know, they said he won't need surgery. Um, going to have to take what they said at face value, even though, uh, the Mets have been known to underplay their injuries. Um, uh, but you know, Stroman himself tweeted that it was a minor. So, uh, you know, it might be a month, and, and that's that's a sizable chunk of the season. Um, he'll still, you know, still be able to pitch the final month of the season, but um, you know, going 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 down for for half of 
of a 60 game season is not preferable at all. So now that, that simply emphasizes uh, Stephen Matz's importance. Um, you know, we've, we've heard a bit uh, from him and, and from Luis Rojas talking about him and, and that perhaps his velocity is ticking up. Um, it's promising. I'd like to see it uh, with my own eyes and see it consistently. Um, but you know, Matt's is kind of in that put up or shut up year um, because, and I wrote an article the other day on, on Metsmerize. At some point this season, he's going to cross five years of service time. And that's just kind of hard to believe. You know, it feels like just yesterday uh, we, were, we were watching Grandpa Matt's at City Field going, going crazy. Um, so, you know, Matt's is, Matt's is a veteran uh, and, and he's going to have to take that next step. Um, as are Rick Porcello and Michael Walker are going to have to be uh, what they were brought in to be. Um, and that's guys who have been around for, for quite a while and, and have been consistent. They've had their, their struggles for sure, but they, they've uh, also had their flashes and um, not expecting much. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, the rest of the group kind of, you know, collects themselves and, and, and takes the, the step up to, to fill the hole left by Stroman. And it obviously goes without saying that it, you know, underscores how, how just absolutely important it is for Jacob DeGrom to be Jacob DeGrom uh, in 2020. Not that I have any doubts about it, but I mean, if he's, if he's not going, then, then the whole thing's just going to fall apart. So, um, you know, those, those are four guys who are currently in the rotation. We don't really know what they're going to do with that fifth spot. Um, you know, Corey Oswalt did make the roster. Uh, probably by virtue of already being on the 40-man Um we saw, and we'll probably get into it in a little bit, but some of the moves they made for the opening day roster uh, had to do with just the kind of crunch that they find themselves in with their 40-man roster. It isn't ideally set up. Um, but, so that, you know, that means guys like David Peterson and Erasmo Ramirez, who probably have, um, you know, would be a little more interesting than Corey Oswald, who's kind of, shown himself yeah you know he hasn't had that that much of a run in, in the major leagues but um you know it hasn't hasn't been fantastic um but you know i guess it, it's possible that he starts that fifth game it's possible uh peterson does get called up for that fifth game but that would mean they have to make another 40-man move um or perhaps they they do a bullpen game and i just can uh, Picture that going absolutely sideways, uh, just because the Mets have never, never attempted something like that. Except for, I think Jerry Blevins started one game two years ago, and that was that was uh, quite a disaster. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, main, main thing with the rotation for me is just you know everyone just has to take that next step up, um, and it's it's got to be a mental thing, it's got to be a physical thing, and uh, you know, I'm hopeful that. That Jeremy Hefner and uh, Jeremy Ricardo can, can get the best out of this group. You know, I, I do have high hopes for, for the group, for the rotation. Um, you know, Matt, over his last ooh, 10 starts uh, last year, pitched to a 3.49 ERA, which is, you know, if it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be out of the three or four spot, it looks much better than out of the two. But um, and that that's including two starts where he allowed seven and six earned runs, respectively. So. Um, he was certainly on a tear. Uh, I, I do trust him when he talks about how well he's clicking with the pitching clo- with the pitching coach, excuse me. And um, I, I do think that he has a lot to prove. I do think that he's been a, uh, 
you know, kind of an unsung guy. And I think he can take that next step and be relied on. I, I'm, I'm confident in his, uh, in his ability to do that. As far as Waka, um, I'm actually really kind of enamored by Waka. Uh, he looked very good in that intra-squad game last week. Um, you know, it, it, again, in the fifth spot, without Syndergaard, with everyone else in the rotation, um, you know, much easier to pallet a maybe a high three, low four ERA guy. But again, in the fifth spot of the rotation, we'll take that. If thrust into a higher role, yeah, that's going to be, um, you know, they're really going to have to step up, like you said. I, I do like the combination of Oswald. I, I like... Um, <laughs> I still I can't get on board with Lugo coming into the rotation. I just can't do it. I know people have been saying it, and I still can't wrap my head around that. But um, yeah, well, look, let, let let's say let's say you know three or four turns through the rotation. You know, Corey Oswald makes four starts, and you know he's giving you a a low five ERA. Not obviously not ideal, and for a team that's trying to make the playoffs, uh, you know, close to unacceptable. Yeah, it's um, not feasible. And let's say during that time, though, Diaz is, is getting back on the track. Familia looks really good. The Kansas shows that he's healthy. The velocity's back. Then maybe, you know, you're thinking about moving Lugo back. I, I, I think, um, you know, they're hesitant to do that because if they get Lugo on the starter workload um, and the big bullpen guys are not back on, on their stuff that, that they've shown in previous years but not last year um, – then you're kind of screwed because now who are you going to turn to? I mean, you're going to rely on, on Justin Wilson as your top bullpen arm. It's, you know, it's just not going to happen. So, um, yeah. you know, I, 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 I understand not putting Lugo in now. I uh, totally agree with that. Um, wouldn't completely rule it out for the entire season. And I think obviously him being vocal about wanting to start will play into it as well. Um, I'm, I'm sure by now, given what he's done the last, a uh, couple of years, I, I'm sure he's probably made his voice a little more prominent in that in that clubhouse. So, um, yeah, I, I, and you know, and if Robert Gazelman comes back as well, uh, doesn't sound like he's going to be out for too long. Um, I, I think it's going to be kind of a wait and see kind of thing with with Lugo potentially coming into the rotation. You know, um, if the situation calls for it, I guess sure. And, and you know that, you know, the competitive fire is there for him. He's made himself, he's made it very known that he'd like to start, as you were just saying. Um, and I think the confidence level from the last time he was really given the opportunity to start games, his confidence is, has risen so much that, sure, it could work. And his stuff's gotten considerably better as he's gotten more comfortable uh, in the major leagues. So, um, yeah, I guess if the situation deems it necessary, sure, you know, go for it. But, uh I do have faith that these guys can kind of keep it together. And um, am I as confident as I was a couple of days ago? No, of course not. But, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, hope for the best. That's kind of the name of my game. Um, you, you were saying about Gazelman, he'll be back. Um, hopefully Jared Hughes and Brad Brock will be back at some point. Uh, Walker Rocket, you know, another guy who could who could pro- possibly help. Um, any idea why Gonzalez got the uh, got the axe? You think there's more moves to come? I, I thought I figured wow. he'd be a nice little um, kind of swingman there if you need him type of addition. Yeah, so let me kind of try to explain this as best as I can, and I guess we can kind of talk about the open day roster in one uh, one kind of swoop there. there um, so 
you know, obviously it was, it was reported last night that Eduardo Nunez was going to get added to the roster. Um, Luis Guillorme was also going to get added to the roster. Um, and the Mets, when they, a couple days ago, when they brought back Juan Lagares and they signed Brian Dozier, they announced that their player pool is at 57 players. Now that would mean that they're including uh, Fred Brock and Jared Hughes, who have not been in camp. We're not in camp at all, but we're also placed on the injured list with no reason given. Now everyone else across the league who's been placed on the injured list with no reason given, uh, that's been because they've gone on the the COVID-19 special injured list. uh, And players on that list don't count against the player pool or the 40-man roster limit. Um, so I kind of assume, you know, these guys aren't here. They're going on the injured list with no reason given. Uh, they're probably on the COVID IL because uh, we, we didn't hear anything else about their status. Uh, when, they, when the Mets said the, uh, yesterday that their pool is at 57, uh, that implies that they're counting, uh, they're counting both Brock and Hughes against that total, um, which means they're also counting against the 40-man roster, which was full. So by adding Eduardo Nunez, there's one. Uh, that's a spot you need to clear. Um, by adding uh, Hunter Strickland and Chazen Shreve, the two other non-40 guys that they added, that's two more spots you need to clear. Um, so uh, when the Mets announced the roster today, they only announced one corresponding move, and that was Steven Gonzalez being designated for assignment. So technically right now, according to what's unfolded, the Mets have 42 players on their 40-man roster, and that includes Jared Hughes and Brad Brock. Um, so it seems really weird. I mean, the only way that they would have been able to make these moves they made today is if Brock and Hughes are on the COVID IL. Um, so that's kind of how I'm, I'm proceeding with thinking about things. So, uh, And we saw Andres Jimenez get added to the opening day roster. That was a big surprise. Uh, you know, he, he had a, a kind of a mediocre year at double-A for, for what was expected from him. It was still for about a league average year, and we've talked about him ton, a ton. He was added to the 40-man roster over the offseason to protect him from the Rule 5 draft. Um, but with, with all the guys that have been injured and having the 30-man roster, um, they just needed someone to add, really, onto the roster uh, without having to make another 40-man move you know, if they had added Ryan Cordell, for example, or Jarrett Parker, uh, or even Dozier or Ligaris, that would have necessitated another 40-man move. Uh, so you add Jimenez, don't need to make a 40 move. So that, you know, the, the depth on the, the thing is the depth on the 40-man roster is not deep in terms of guys who can contribute now. Um, you know, the only position player on the 40-man roster who didn't make the opening day roster is Ali Sanchez, and he's the fourth string catcher because uh, Rene Rivera got added to the active roster as well. Um, and then you've got these guys uh, like Jordan Humphreys, Franklin Kilomade, Thomas Sapucky, and Steven Gonzalez was also kind of in that group of guys who you know are taking up spots on the 40, but you're not really expecting them to make uh, an impact this season, potentially down the line for Gonzalez because uh, he has some major league experience, but he, he hasn't pitched uh, in quite a while. So, um, you know, he kind of just got caught up in that, in that numbers game. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I I don't think they did it intentionally, but they're kind of backing themselves into a hole by not having, um, you know, a lot of optionable depth, um, guys who they can shuttle back and forth between the majors and, and the alternate training site. Um, 
So that that's why you ended up seeing guys like a guy like Jimenez being added to the, the opening day roster before he's probably ready, um, and a guy like Gonzalez, um, you know, being on the uh, on the long end there. So really kind of confusing, and and it's it's kind of all stems from the fact that uh, they seem to have not. Um, announced that that Brock and Hughes are were being put on, on the COVID IL originally. So, um, yeah, lot, lots of moving parts to try and figure out if, if any of that made sense to you. Oh, oh, for sure. Actually, I have a couple of questions. Do you think Gonsalves makes it through waivers and remains in the organization? Uh, I do. Um, you know, he does have he does have options. So, uh, you know, a team like like the Tigers or Royal, you know, I don't know what their 40 men situation is, but. Uh, you know, a non-contending team could claim him and, and just option him and keep him on the 40 and, and not have to keep him on the on the active roster. Um, but, you know, I was kind of thinking, like, you know, now say if uh, they need to make another 40-man move, um, like, like say, with, God forbid, within the next week, Robinson Cano goes down. Now they don't have any other infielders or outfielders on the 40-man roster. They'd have to add someone like Brian Dozier. Um and that would necessitate another 40-man move. So now at that point, you're looking at someone like Jordan Humphreys or Franklin Kilome getting cut off the 40-man roster. Um, but those two guys and Gonzalez, and to bring the point back around, uh, they haven't pitched in front of scouts uh, really in two years. Um, so I, I think it's pretty likely that, that Gonzalez clears waivers. Um, but, you know, you never know. All it takes is one team to, to put a claim in, and, and he's theirs. They're now taking like an unnecessarily an, an unnecessary step too far. Let's say that everything that you were just describing plays out. Um, if the Mets have to make a forty-man move and a Colome or a, or a Humphreys um, are you know are the next people up to be designated for assignment, as you were saying, you know they haven't pitched much. Scouts haven't seen them. Is it a? It's still a gamble to to leave them out on waivers like that. Like that. But do you think that? Those guys who, I guess it's safe to say they'll project as a higher level of pitcher than um, uh, than your Steven Gonsalves, but um, like a Colome for for example, like he's got um, back end of the bullpen kind of written all over him if he pans out. But you know, would someone like that make it through? Like the Mets, like you said, they kind of painted themselves into a corner, and sure, there was no way to kind of anticipate this type of uh, scenario on playing uh, unfolding, but um, yeah, it leaves them with some very, very tough choices to make. Yeah. The thing, the thing is, um, you know, I thought they kind of went a little overboard in protecting guys from the rule five draft of the winter. Uh, I did not think Ali Sanchez was at risk of being picked. Uh, <laughs> I did not, I did not think Jordan Humphreys was at risk of being picked. Um, and, you know, in that uh, even, even so, even if they did get picked, they're, infinitely less likely to stick on, on their, their drafting team for the entire season. Uh, they'd be returned if, if they, they didn't remain on the roster. So uh, without having to be on the Mets roster. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think uh, Humphreys just cause he's a, he's a huge wild card. I mean, he had, he had really great stuff like three years ago and, and just who knows um, at this point. Uh, but you know, hopefully, uh, I'm I'm fingers crossed, hoping that that you know the, the doomsday scenario where two guys get hurt and they have to add two guys to the 40 man roster, you know, that doesn't happen. Um, 
because otherwise they're they're probably going to have to cut loose someone who who they'd rather not lose. Sure. And now, and just to touch on Jimenez real quick, um, you know, we and like you said, we spoke about him a lot. Uh, really turned it on towards the end of last year's minor league season. Um, absolutely exploded in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, was starting. He was hitting well at the beginning of uh, spring training this year, and then slowed down before things got shut down. But um, you know, the depth and the versatility, I guess, across the infield. Um, I, I like the, the him getting the nod. I love just the kind of. Uh, I know it's been kind of a, a hallmark of, of this front office is versatility, but, you know, Guillaume, Jimenez, Nunez, um, Jeff McNeil, who could roam around, of course. You know, you have a, an infield that you could just kind of plug anybody in and anyone's going to give you a serviceable day's work. And that's um, – I think there's a lot to be said for that. I, I think that uh, guys picking each other up, and this goes for across the board, um, rotation all the way down to the bench um, – it's such a different feeling, even just watching the Yankees and the Nationals on Thursday. Every inning, every home run, that Stanton home run in the second or whatever it was, um, you know, that, as silly as it sounds, that jumped Scherzer's ERA at that point up to 18.00. But now he's only got, what, seven starts or 12 starts? I forget how many starts these guys are going to have. <laughs> but Yeah, probably around 12. Yeah. 12, okay. Um you know, he's only going to have half the time, if that, to to kind of get things straight. If he has a couple of starts in a row, boy, that, you know, a four-something ERA on Max Scherzer's on the back of his baseball card is going to look really strange. And, um, you know, I just hope history kind of looks back on this season as, okay, you know, nothing really played out uh, as anybody planned. And, you know, let's just have a little fun. And oh, hopefully that's what we're doing. Just got to pray that everybody stays safe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think it's still important to remember that uh, in in uh, in all, all all you know all you hope is that next year things are back to normal and things are just going to kind of continue the way that they they were going and what happens this year and is going to affect what happens next year in terms of uh, the decisions that are made. Um, I just want to want to give my my thought my two cents on on Andres Jimenez for a second. Um, please, please, yeah. Yeah, so just to preface all of this, I want to say that I love love Andres Jimenez. I think he's he's an exciting player. I think he has he has a, a future major league role as as a middle infielder with a with a really good glove. Um, he he led all of the minor leagues in defensive runs saved, according to the uh, proprietary uh, you know uh, sports uh, sports info solutions uh, tracking that they do for. For minor league games um so really good glove great speed um he he's, has by far the most stolen bases in the organization over the last three years um so i i think he, he's he's a very good prospect um definitely not ready uh for the major leagues with the bat um you know this is a guy who who, who struggled at double a for the most part uh definitely came on late had a great arizona fall league but uh, in a perfect world, you're giving him at least you know five months in AAA uh, to show that he's uh, you know re- ready to to come up and have a role. So you have that that that's one one aspect of it that he he's not exactly major league ready with the bat. Um, the second aspect is look at where he's at on the depth chart. You know even just on the guys on the active roster, um, 
you've got obviously Rosario Cano, McNeil, uh, Guillaume Nunez, all guys who can play the middle infield uh, and are, are probably priorities to, to start over, over Jimenez. But even then, you know, this is a 60 game season. How often are you sitting your, your, your stars? You know, how yeah. often is, is, is Rosario going to sit if he's, if he's performing, you know, as well as he can and, uh, I mean, we, we know Cano, he, he's not just going to be starting every game. He's going to be hitting third every game. So, um, <laughs> you know, the, the opportunities for, for backups to start uh, are going to be slim. Now you're talking about a third or fourth string shortstop. You know, he's just not going to see that much time. Um, what else was I going to say? Oh, my God, I have my notes here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, so obviously with the designated hitter, you're not going to be pinch hitting for pitchers. So you're not going to be burning through bench players. Um, you know, and, and like I said, his bat is just not really at the major league, uh, level yet that it needs to be. Um, so even if you were pinch hitting for guys, he probably would not have been the second, third or fourth option. Um, so, you know, all, all these, all these kind of factors, I mean, I guess if you really believe that, that him being around the major league team is beneficial for him, then, then sure, fine. You know, he's gonna, and Probably most likely he's only going to last until the roster gets down to 28 because um, I don't think they were expecting him to, to be on the roster in the first place. So, um, you know, do you, do you take the two weeks of service time just to, to have him around the team? You know, if that's what you want to do, sure. Um, you know, if he's going to be sitting on the bench, though, and not, not playing, uh, not getting at bats, then then maybe you think okay, it's more beneficial for him to be at the alternate site in Brooklyn, facing you know David Peterson and Erasmo Ramirez, and, and you know staying sharp against those guys, uh, and, and being around the coaches and improving and working on your stuff instead of uh, you know taking BP and then sitting on the bench for for three hours. So you know I I, I don't know I like I think this kind of all comes back to, to what we were talking about at first. Uh, with the 40-man roster and, and just he was the only guy there to to, to be on the team. Um, I, I think he's still has quite a quite, – not quite – I wouldn't say quite a bit, but he, he definitely has development uh, left to go. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm certainly the last person who's ever going to advocate for a prospect service time to be manipulated. But, you know, I also don't believe in, in empty service time where a guy is, is just on the team and, and not – you know, benefiting from, from getting playing time every day. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's uh, as someone who follows the minor leagues very closely, it, it's very cool to, to see him, you know, be on, be on a big league roster now. Um, I'm just, you know, not really sure what, uh, what his usage is, is going to be. And I, and I think when, when, uh, when people kind of realize that he's going to be on the bench most of the time, if not all the time, uh, you know, I, I really don't think people should be uh, too surprised. Yeah, no, and I think he's there to fill a spot. Um, and I, I, I guess with the whole forty man thing, like you were saying, once the rosters shrink down, at that point they can kind of move him along, protected. I mean, he would never be a candidate to be DFA'd, but um, I guess kind of just playing their cards right. Uh, I guess you could put it that way. But um, how does the service time work? Like we saw in LA, they sent uh, Gavin Lux. I guess he had some issues at camp. Um, just kind of uh, attitude, not I shouldn't say attitude, but uh, effort. Right. They said he was kind of half-assing it, and Dustin May was also uh, sent to the alternate site. Well, um, Dustin May, who's now starting tonight on the opening night for the Dodgers, because is he really? Was, 
Clayton Kershaw was put on the IL late with back stiffness. So I saw that, but I, I guess it yep. must have been an hour before that that May was uh, May was sent down. So he's getting called up. He's starting tonight. Yep. yep. Oh, that's um, that's exciting. I'm I'm a I'm a big Dustin May fan. That kid is very very talented. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So how does that work? Like someone like Lux, like is that going to affect his service time, or is, since he's on the sixty man, is this considered active? Yeah, so, you know, the, the, the active roster, which has always been 25 and was supposed to be 26, but is now 30 and will be 28 and will be 26. Uh, <laughs> uh, the active, you know, thir- current 30-man roster, uh, you know, works the same just as, as in every year. You have to be added to the 40-man roster to get on the active roster. Uh, and... Now, the thing about this year is that that extra layer of the 60-man player pool is added. Um, but the active roster and, and the 40-man roster work just the same. And you, you'll you only accrue service time if you're on the active roster, um, you know, in major league uniform or uh, on the on the major league injured list. So uh, as long as a guy like Lux is, uh, is not on the active roster and, you know, he can still be on the 40-man. Um, but as long as he's not on the active roster, he won't be won't be accruing service time. The thing uh, this year, and, and I guess the best example to use is uh, Nate Pearson, who's very clearly about to have his service time manipulated in a normal I, season. I think that already went down. I think he already got right, sent he, to the other side. He yeah. got sent down, but they said he's going to come up on the 29th and make a, make his first, his first start of the season or, or some sometime around then. Um, so they're, they're blatantly admitting that they're about to, or that they are uh, manipulating his service time. But in a normal year, when you're playing over 186 days, you know, you send a guy down for, um, you know, about 16, 17, 18 days. Uh, and then you ensure that, that the guy won't reach a full year of service time. Uh, and you're able to delay his eventual free agency down the line, you know, six years later by an extra year. Um, obviously that's what was talked about with Pete Alonso. He, was he going to start in Syracuse or not? He didn't. So now he'll, he'll reach free agency a year earlier. Had he, had he, uh, then had he started in, in the minor leagues. So, uh, normally it's about a, a 14, 15, 16 day period. Uh, now with everything condensed, it's 60 games in 67 days. Uh, you know, these guys only have to stay down in the minor leagues, um, or at the alternate site for, um, for, uh, you know, five or six days or, or seven days about then. So, um, cause you know, all the service time is getting prorated out to the, the full 186. So, um, it, it's, it, it'll, the players will have to be down in the minors less. Um, but they'll, they'll still get the service time prorated out to, to have it been a, a normal season. So, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's confusing and I'm trying to, to, to understand it and calculate it all and, and do, do the math. And uh, I think everyone is kind of learning it as, as they go along. Yeah. I mean, that's all I, I had many questions and I, I'm pretty sure you, you, you explained it pretty well. I get it. So, um, you know, sending a guy like Lux down for whatever, six, seven, eight days, whatever the, whatever the amount is, um, got- that, that, that would equate to your super, to your super two type of situation. Well, the Super Two is a little different because that's that's about getting a guy 
his arbitration year. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry. Next year. That's when you usually see a guy held down until, you know, early June around, around then. Gotcha. Um, so that's probably not going to come into play this year. Well, the thing with Lux is that he, he had 28 days of service time in, in 2019. Oh, um, right. His clock um, started. Yeah. So, so they might even keep him down for a little longer if they want to, you know, mess with his time too. Um, just, just another example of how, how corrupt uh, the system <laughs> is and how, you know, the only goal of Major League Baseball is to suppress sellers. Yeah, you know, um, we try not to use the the C word here, but collusion is um, it's a it's a very very prevalent thing, and uh, even with the Steve Cohen negotiations last week, where news came out like, oh, are the owners going to be worried that he's going to upset their uh, their what what appears to be you know spending control, and they it's like they're openly coming out and just talking about it now. It's like, come on, like. It, we saw this play out. Oh, I didn't see it. It was before I was born. But um, we saw this play out, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And, and it's kind of it's happening in broad daylight now. And everyone kind of knows it. It's uh, it's weird. And then you have your outliers like your Mookie Betts or your Mike Trout to go out and get these huge contracts. And um, and everyone could just point to that and be like, oh, what do you mean? We're, you know. You know, that's a, a small, small percentage there to get mega deals. And it's just, you know, we could have this conversation forever. But, uh, yeah, it's wild. It's just wild what they think they could throw past the uh, the general baseball watching public without noticing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, how, how are we feeling about Friday? Um, Soroka, I'm a little, uh, I'm not going to say I'm a little concerned. He had a very, very nice year last year. But up against DeGrom, it should be a... Uh, um, not a cakewalk, but uh, Degrom should be just fine. I'm worried about the Mets putting up runs. Um, I, I know they have a high-powered offense, but Soroka is a very, very good pitcher. I know it's just one game, but that one game means a lot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and now I'm you know watching these these Nationals games or you know whoever else in, in the division. I'll you know be watching their games and and every game for them you know impacts the Mets just that much more and. I think, uh, you know, you can end up at the end of the season. It might be uh, between the, the top four teams in the division. I mean, it could be a, a two or three game difference between all of them. Um, and you uh, you added the expanded postseason where it, it's guaranteed now the top two teams in each division will, will qualify for the postseason. And then the, uh, the, next, uh, the next two, I believe it's the next two best, uh, you know, non-top two finishers. Um, also qualifies so uh, a little less pressure for the Mets to, to win the division. I mean, obviously you would you would prefer to win the division, but um, you know all all you got to do is, is just at least be second best over the over this sprint, and you could say you were in the playoffs for for this year. Um, so so that that's certainly a, a very interesting wrinkle, and I think that really kind of changes everything. And just the fact that it was thrown on us, um, you know, a couple hours before the season started is just kind of wild to me. Oh, sure. And I think it was, um, you know, during negotiations to try and get a season played this year, um, you know, I guess the expanded postseason was a large part or a large discussion point uh, of those negotiations. And I guess once the players union stepped away from the table and Manfred kind of put his season, his 60 game season into place, um, he took it off the table, wiped it out. And I guess they wanted to do the same with the DH, but then kind of reinstilled that a few days later. Um I was kind of expecting this to 
to be announced soon after the oh no we're gonna keep the dh the dh is good for this year but uh i didn't expect it to come out a few hours before first pitch but um yeah i have a feeling that they this was their plan all along and it should make things a lot more exciting um over the next what is it nine nine and a half weeks eight and a half weeks uh you know, it's going to be a a, a a 60 game pennant race for literally the entire league. And sure, teams are going to fall behind and they're not going to have a lot of time to claw themselves back. But, uh, you know, these are the breaks. It's going to be uh, everyone's on the it's, it's the level playing field. I think that I know I've said it here before. I think Luis Rojas is well suited uh, to lead a club in the, in a short season just because he's had the experience in the Dominican Winter Leagues. Um I hope that the roster themselves are embracing the kind of shift in um, the paradigm shift that comes along with just uh, the landscape change of this type of season. And um, I just, yeah, you know me, I get excited very easily, but I, I'm, I'm pumped. I don't care about the adversity. I, I think that this team is, is, is built to win. I think that they did, you know, I know we hated the move uh, switching out, two starters for one when we lost Wheeler and replaced him with uh, Porcello and Waka. But um, I guess uh, hindsight that <laughs> worked out <laughs> to a certain extent. Hopefully Stroman comes back. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts, but uh, I-, I am excited and no, I, I- I'm-, I'm certainly still uh, uh, cautious and cautiously optimistic as you, you so eloquently put, but uh, yeah, hey, it's baseball season, man. Let's do it. Hey, you know what? I, I'm I'm in it with you. Uh, All right. I'm, 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 I mean, look, I, I I'm I'm just as excited to to watch to watch New York Mets games that that count in the standings, uh, even if uh, the standings will will only total sixty games, which uh, you know hopefully hopefully we'll be able to put past us uh, going forward. But yeah, it, it starts tomorrow or or today or whenever whenever the, the listeners are are hearing this. So. Um, you know, kind of looking forward to having new things to talk about, new new trends and new new events, new happenings, and, and hopefully as much of it is, is, is uh, as possible as positive. Yeah, no, this is uh, it's going to be wild. I, I am looking forward to every bit of it. Um, of course, everybody, stay tuned to Metsmerized. Uh, we got you covered on all fronts. Mets Miners, uh, we focus on uh on of course the Mets farm system I believe the rest of our prospect rankings will be coming out soon uh Jacob anything cooking on your end I think I'm just kind of ready for uh ready for new stuff to happen in the season and I'm ready to write about it (laughs) whenever uh, whenever it comes out so uh it'll be nice to escape the the monotony of of the off season uh just uh, regurgitating the same storyline so Oh uh, God! You're telling me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think I think uh, over the last three days we had, uh, or last couple of days we had three, you know, pro Stephen Matz articles go go up on Matz. Right? I mean, it's just it's so hard to 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 be unique and and you know keep it keep it consistent. But you know, I- I'm super proud of, of the whole team, as as I'm sure you are, of just how we've been able to uh, to to keep it fresh and and keep stuff coming out. Uh, you know, since since March, really, um, re- really impressive job by by the whole staff. Oh, it's been it's been trying. I mean, you know, even just like for me, um, 
you know, 30 articles a month was like my benchmark. And I'm like scratching to come up with content. <laughs> it's just like you said, regurgitating the same shit. So, you know, it took a little, um, a little challenge to, to kind of look, you know, look outside the box. I know me and Brian Wright have been doing the, the 2000 Mets 20th anniversary series. That's been fun. Um, yeah, you were covering those zoom meetings last week. You were killing it. I've, but, uh, I've, that's been kind of, that's, that's been wild. That's been, you know, every day, just two or three calls, go in, write it up as quick as you can and do it all over again. It's kind of been like experiencing the life of a, of a B writer for, for a little bit. It, it's been wild and it's been fun. Making them bones. We love it. Good job, man. <laughs> no, but really, I mean, the team is strong. Um, hopefully at least I, I I'm, I'm hoping for me that, you know, and it's already started to happen. Just baseball being back has kind of sparked me again. I, you know, it, it was getting very tough. This is the off season that just never fucking ended. Excuse my language, everybody. <laughs> we try not to curse, but it was really fucking hard. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. But, you know, it, 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 it's this, 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 you know, opening day eve that brings out the, brings out the excitement in you. And I'm sure it, it brings you back to, to your, you know, younger days when, when, uh, when the, the season was, was just about to start and you, you get excited. And, you know, there's, there's, there's kind of for, for that period and until things go south and they have gone south very quickly uh, over, over the years. Um, you know, you just, you, you can't, you can't focus on anything else than, than baseball. It's just, a, it's a fun feeling. Um, and I'm just hoping that, that everything, uh, everything goes smoothly. Yeah, no, I've taken off opening day every day since, uh, I don't know, middle of elementary school and uh, t- tomorrow's Friday. And I, I put in, as soon as I found out what day the Mets opening day was, I put in for my day and, that uh, that tradition was not lost during the COVID season, and yes, uh, the night before baseball season, the night be- the night before the Mets opener is just like Christmas Eve. You you hit it on the nose. Absolutely. All right, Jacob. I, I think we, uh, we we did our dil- our due diligence tonight. We hit all our bases. Hey, uh, every- the, the, the next time we, we come on, we'll have uh, games to recap. It'll be oh my gosh, I, dude! I'm salivating at the opportunity. <laughs> I must. I think. I think me and you talked about Andres Jimenez at least three times this offseason. But oh, probably it's more. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. You know what? You know, as as the as the uh, the flushing World's Fair turns. <laughs> All right, guys, let's go Mets. Happy opening day, and uh, we'll see you soon. Zach Braziller from the New York Post will be with us next week. Be sure to check it out. Let's go!